0: Ranking the top rosters in college football as we begin a brand new season here on Michigan Podcast next. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to a brand new season of Michigan Podcast. Hard to believe this is season number seven. That's right. We started this in the summer of 2017, just kind of on a whim. No idea that this thing would pick up any kind of audience at all. And yet, here we are, and people are actually watching this, and we're as shocked and surprised by that development as anybody else would be. Nevertheless, here we are in Season 7, and we're going to begin this this season exactly where the very first episode of Season 1, the pilot, began. For that very first episode, I unveiled something called my Team Total Talent Ratings, and that's exactly how we're going to premiere Season 7 as well. I've been doing these every year ever since, How do I do these team total talent ratings? How do they differ from, say, a power rating? They're not a power rating. They're a potential rating. Because I use the 24-7 sports composite recruiting rankings of the three major services. That's 24-7, rivals, and on three. We give each player on the roster a point total based on the star they were assessed as a recruit. So five points for a five-star, four points for a four-star, et cetera we only evaluate the last four recruiting classes. So for this year, that's 2020 through 2023. And we do that because fifth-year seniors at the Power Five conference level just not as impactful or plentiful as they used to be. But if we have a fifth-year or or COVID senior that figures prominently on the depth chart, they are all still accounted for. Now, these are constantly being updated all offseason – To account for the latest roster news, transfer portal news, etc. These are updated as of 8 a.m. Eastern Time on May 30th. Now, to account for teams that are considered, quote-unquote, developmental programs, thus they don't recruit a lot of four- and five-star prospects, as their players overachieve their incoming star rating, they are given additional points. Players now who underachieve their star rating are not lowered points, though, because the point of this exercise is to measure potential. And there can be mitigating circumstances beyond an overrated evaluation that has held a player back, like injuries, grades, other circumstances. So we don't downgrade a kid that has yet to live up to the hype, but we do overgrade or upgrade, I should say, kids who uh, do better than what their hype was coming out of high school. And that accounts for the developmental teams as well to get a fair shake in our metric one more time, because usually people get confused by this every year. This is not meant to be a power rating. It is meant to be a potential rating. If you want some great power ratings, look at what guys like Bill Connolly at uh, SB plus now ESPN plus what, what they do with their power ratings. I use those as well, but what I wanted to find out are who are teams that could be outliers Who are teams whose rosters are in a cycle up or cycle down mode? So they could either be a surprise or they could be a disappointment because of the current state of the overall depth in their rosters. And so that's what this is meant to do. This is meant to measure what they could be, not necessarily what we project and what they actually are. So with that in mind, let's give you the national top 25 of rosters. Number one is Alabama. Every year I've done this, Alabama or Georgia has been number one all seven years. This year it is Alabama who has added several high-profile players via the transfer portal here in the last couple of months. They are number one with 354 points. Georgia is number two at 334 points. Number three is our beloved Michigan Wolverines at 325 points. And I just want to say two teams on this list, Michigan at three, BYU at nine. And this is the first time BYU has appeared on this list because they were not a power five team before. I've only done the power five in Notre Dame with this exercise. And now that teams like BYU are in the Big 12, they're included. It's pretty obvious Michigan and BYU have some NIL component that essentially allows them to just completely, you know, reject scholarship limits that they have quality players as walk-ons that are getting taken care of for their education via NIL. And, and, and you just see that in the amount of points that they have racked up and in the size of their rosters. Number four is Texas, just behind Michigan at 324 points. Texas has been in the top five four of the seven years that we have done this. Oregon is number 5 at 315, Oklahoma next at 312, LSU next at 305, then Ohio State at 302, BYU at 301. In other words, Oregon, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, and BYU, from a depth standpoint, all have pretty much the same roster. Now, Ohio State's top-line guys, uh, I mean, I saw a projection this spring. They had nine guys projected to be in the top 100 of next year's NFL draft. So that, again, it's not a power rating. If it was a power rating, Ohio State wouldn't be seven. At the lowest, they'd be as five, maybe four, maybe even three in some power ratings. All right, They they wouldn't be in a class with teams like BYU and Ole Miss. But this is a depth rating, and Ohio State has taken some hits to the depth. Number 10 is Ole Miss, tied with Penn State. That's the highest rating Ole Miss has ever had since we started doing this. Number 12 is Notre Dame. And I I bunched them in with the ACC because they play almost half of their schedule against the ACC every year. Leading the second half of the top 25, Kentucky with its highest rating in the seven years that we've been doing this, up to number 13. Same for Kansas State. I think a lot of people think they lost a ton off of last year's surprise Big 12 champs. They didn't. Now, they lost a ton of production with Deuce Vaughn, but they're bringing back a lot including the entire offensive line. Texas A&M was top five in this metric a year ago, then went out and disappointed. They've lost quite a bit in the transfer portal, but are still bringing in a top 15 roster for this year. Florida is there at 16, but again, if you were power rating them, they'd be much lower. But that does show there might be some depth there for Billy Napier to improve in year two, even without Anthony Richardson. This is the lowest roster rating that Clemson has ever had by far. Uh, Since I've started doing this down to number 17, Miami and South Carolina are tied at 18 at 279. USC is next at 277. It's going to take another class or two for them to really get up there because they've been trying to rebuild on the fly via the transfer portal and have been a little light with high school kids, but they'll eventually get to being in the top 10 every year uh, under Lincoln Riley. There's Iowa making a big jump after last year at number 21. Uh, followed by Texas Tech at to 272. Uh, the Red Raiders bringing back a ton of COVID seniors. They may be this year's TCU. Keep an eye on them. Uh, Tennessee at, at, at 23 with 271 points. Baylor at 270. Maryland and Wisconsin at 268. And you can see that there's kind of some tearing here. I mean, there's there's not a lot of huge difference in the depth of rosters between Clemson and 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 Wisconsin. I'm not saying Wisconsin's top-line roster is as good as Clemson's, but again, there's other metrics that will help you to define that. I, I would urge you to take what – this is what I do with it. I take this, and then I, I combine it with a power rating, and that's how I come up with my preseason win total best bets. And those have been pretty good since we started doing those here on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast all-time. They're 29-14-1. That's pretty profitable, right? So, it, the, and, and then you get to the bottom of the top 25 and you'll see when we come back here in a moment that when we break this down by conference, there's not much difference between teams that are 25 and teams that are 55 or 65. And that's when other factors like coaching, injuries, injuries quarterback play come into play and those are all things we'll be talking about this offseason as well. So now that we've shown you that top 25, let's go ahead and take our first break. We'll come back show you how the Power 5 conferences stack up in terms of talent when we return. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At US Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov careers a great way to support us here at michigan podcast is by signing up for our patreon page patreon.com slash michigan podcast trust me could very well be the most profitable $5 you'll ever spend because all of our handicapping picks are there, including our daily Major League Baseball picks that are off to a hot start after they were tremendous a year ago. Our college football win total best bets, which all time are 29-14-1, and 1, 67% all time documented right there. On our Patreon page, you get first dibs on those best bets for 2023 and so much more. So please, just $5 a month is all it takes to support us. And we put some jingle back in your pocket as well. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And thank you to the hundreds of you that are supporting us already at Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And now let's take a look at how each Power 5 conference stacks up in terms of total depth and talent on the roster for 2023. Let us begin right here at home with the Big Ten. By now you know Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Maryland, Wisconsin are the top teams because they all showed up in the national ratings. This is the second year in a row that Michigan has had the most talented roster in the league according to these metrics, and those are the only two years that any team other than Ohio State has been number one in the seven years we've been doing this, but Ohio State's never been lower than number two Nebraska finishes the first tier with 261 points, followed by Michigan State, which has suffered some, uh, some significant losses recently. Rutgers, this is the highest roster score that Rutgers has ever had since we have been doing this, which, you know, you'll notice that depth tends to to build when you've had a consistency at head coach. So you don't have that one recruiting class that takes a major dip while you're doing a coaching change. Illinois has the highest total of points it's had since we've been doing this uh, in the last seven years. Minnesota is next. Purdue, Northwestern, and Indiana has darn near the worst talent roster score of any Big Ten team since we started doing this seven years ago. It's not looking good there uh, in, uh, in Bloomington. We go next to the mighty SEC, Alabama and Georgia, of course, not just number one and number two in this conference, but also in the country. LSU is not taking Brian Kelly very long because you don't have to rebuild at LSU. The roster is ridiculously talented every year. It's just a matter of how well coached it is. Ole Miss has its highest score since we've been doing this. Ditto for Kentucky. Texas A&M and Florida round out the first division. But you'll see... The, the next seven teams, there's a lot of balance on the other half of the SEC. South Carolina, right behind Florida, Tennessee there as well. Those nine teams all in the top 25 most talented rosters. And Mississippi State, Auburn, not very far behind. Maryland and Wisconsin, who made the top 25. Arkansas is number 12, but that's a pretty solid roster score. Missouri is next. They're about as talented as Minnesota. They're 13th in this league. Vanderbilt. At 14th as well, that's the highest point total they've had in several years, but it would still be worst in the SEC because both of how the recruiting rankings tend to favor SEC teams and because of how well they tend to recruit, shall we say procure, compared to everybody else. Everybody's talking about this being a banner year in the Pac-12. It is in terms of quarterbacks, but in terms of rosters, Oregon is in another class. USC is next. Arizona has the highest rating and point total since we started doing this seven years ago, as they have slowly, They near, people forget, they nearly made a bowl game last year. They were one game away. Washington State, Washington, Cal, Stanford. Obviously, I'd rather have Washington's roster than Cal's or Stanford's. But again, we're measuring depth here. Uh, Utah is next, followed by UCLA, which has lost a lot, despite a win total of eight and a half. Oregon State, which won 10 games last year and is bringing a ton back, Still has some work to do when it comes to depth. Colorado's been nuts. I mean, when we, when, when we did these right after signing day, Colorado was sitting with a top 25 roster. Since then, guys, they've had over 50 players leave the program or come in. And that's why they're down at the bottom of their talent ratings right now. Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham, the new coach there for Herm Edwards. He takes over with what we think right now is the least talented roster in the Pac-12. In the Big 12, Texas or Oklahoma have been 1-2 every year we've been doing this. This this is each of their last years in the Big 12, and they will be 1-2 again. BYU is next. Kansas State, Texas Tech. We mentioned all the COVID-year seniors they are bringing back. Keep an eye on that team. Baylor and then Iowa State rounds out the first division. But again, you're going to see... Once you get past the top tier, the balance is palpable, particularly in this conference. Cincinnati has a roster that lacks a playmaker at quarterback, but uh, the rest of that roster, Luke Fickle, did not leave an empty cupboard. Oklahoma State kind of feels like they're at a crossroads here in the Mike Gundy era. Central Florida has a team kind of the opposite of Cincinnati. They come into the Big 12 with top-line guys that I think have the speed and athleticism to compete at a high level in this conference, but do they have the physicality and the depth to hold up week in and week out? Houston's a team that uh, you think will probably benefit greatly from being in the Big 12 once they have a couple of years to recruit to it. This is the most points Kansas' roster has ever had. Ever. And look at this. The team that uh, ended up being the national runner-up, TCU, has the least amount of depth in the Big 12 according to this metric. That's a, that's a yo. Could explain why their win total is only seven seven and a half when you depending on where you look. All right. Now let's go to the ACC. Remember we, we lumped Notre Dame in here with the ACC. Uh, they have the most talented roster in the league, followed by Clemson, Miami. They're essentially tied. Of course, Clemson's a lot better coached. North Carolina is next. You can see a bit of a drop off there. Uh, once we get past those first three teams, Virginia tech is five, but you know, their are frontline guys are nowhere near as talented as Florida States. But what this dish, what this does show you, is you know Florida State brings back a lot of players. This is the best starting lineup Florida State has had probably since Jameis Winston left. But depth wise, they're still not there yet. So they've got to stay healthy. Pittsburgh hanging around there in the first division as well. Virginia, Louisville taking over there is Jeff Brom. Of course, we know him well here in Big Ten country. And if you look at Louisville's schedule they could have uh, a nice first-year jump like uh, Jeff had his first year at, uh, at Purdue. Uh, Duke, which shockingly won nine games a year ago, brings back a decent roster, but the schedule's a lot tougher, followed by Boston College. NC State doesn't ever do well in these depth ratings. They just tend to do well on the field. Syracuse and then Wake Forest, which is usually the team that is last, is second-to-last in terms of depth, but um, they have a program there. They have a culture there. They know what they're doing there. So how important, is, is, how important are these rankings? What do they really mean? Well, keep this in mind. TCU last year was the first team to make the college football playoff that didn't have one of my top 25 most talented rosters since I debuted this system in 2017. Translation, the, the final four teams standing in late December and January we're on that top 25 list more than likely that we opened the show with, unless you have a, a massive outlier. How big of an outlier was TCU last year? The win total was seven. The backup quarterback at the start of the year finished a runner up for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, it was truly a remarkable season for the Horn Frogs, and we were one of the primary victims of said a remarkable season. But you're just not going to do that on, a, on an annual basis. So, more than likely, there's regression to the mean and there's progression to the mean as well. More than likely, that was a major outlier that will not be repeated again this year. All right, we'll come back. Our first Twitter poll results of the season and the feedback of the week is next when we do. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you who is more likely to be a first-round pick in next year's NFL draft. 39% of you voted correctly, in my estimation, with J.J. McCarthy. 25.7% said Donovan Edwards. 19.5% said Blake Corum. But I'm telling you, the 15.7% of people that voted for Junior Colson, that's not a bad bet, and, and that total should go up. I mean, the, the amount of guys that you have in the NFL with his athleticism, on the second level on defense, is rare. So, you know, he was kind of lost in terms of technique at times last year. If that grows up, if that matures with the athleticism he will post, he's absolutely 1st round draft pick material, you bet. Which brings us to our feedback of the week, which really isn't feedback, but uh, it made me very happy when I saw this news. Brett McMurphy at the Action Network was the first to break. Michigan at Penn State on November 11th. It's now been confirmed as of today that we're taping this May 31st. Michigan at Penn State on November 11th will be Fox's big noon kickoff, which means we miss having to play in a whiteout at Penn State again. No, I'm not a coward. I just know my limits. That'll do it. For our season premiere of Michigan Podcast, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, what uh, comment, share, five-star review, whichever applies. However you watch, like on YouTube or listen, like on iTunes and elsewhere, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. You can also follow us on Twitter, in between episodes, at Michigan Podcast there at Michigan podcast on Twitter for the next couple of months, we will be alternating episodes on Michigan podcast and bigger 10 until we get to big 10 media days. And then we'll get to back to both shows each week as the season will be nigh, but until then we'll be alternating. So that means we'll see you again here on Michigan podcast in two weeks, the season premiere of bigger 10 will be next week. So we hope to see you right here on the channel again for those and so much more